This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 25th, 2010. Alive in my community. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Yeah, you're not going to be settled in because of the rain. You're ready, aren't you? Fantastic. Isn't this just just a glorious day to be part of God's creation? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. I'm Alan Jones. Uh, If uh, this is your first time, uh, uh, normally my wife's here, uh, Carrie's here preaching, but as I shared earlier, uh, she has a um, little problem with her stomach last night and the... uh, uh, this morning she wasn't doing a whole lot better, so she's sorry that she can't be here with us because she would really love to be here this morning. Anyway, we're, we're two sinners who've been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, thanks for the day. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for allowing us to be here as a worshiping and praising a group of followers and... Uh, I just pray that at this point that you, as we share in your word, that you would open our hearts to your spirit, that through this time together we might realize a change and transformation, that uh, we would realize once again new life in Christ. It's in his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray. And all Connection Church said, amen. Okay, so in last week's message, we looked at how Paul, in his letter to the church at Colossae, had compared our new life in Christ to putting on a whole new wardrobe. He compared our previous lives to filthy, ill-fitting clothes that we should strip off and, well, they're so bad we need to burn them to get rid of them completely. And he finished the letter, uh, the section, that section of his letter, by giving us some very good fashion advice. Uh, this is from the interpretation of the Scripture by Eugene Peterson, known as The Message. Here's what it says. It says, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. I love that little passage of Scripture. Always wear love. Never be without it. That is such good advice. But it's not like Paul is, this is isolated from Paul. I mean, this is like the message of the whole Scripture, especially the New Testament, right? I mean, this is what Jesus said in John 13, 34. He says, I give a new command to you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. So we're called to love each other as Christ loves us. Wow, that's pretty intense. And it reminds us of what Paul shares in another chapter, a well-known chapter. In fact, a chapter you've all probably heard many times, that 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Who here has ever been to a wedding? Chances are good if you've, maybe not one, but if you've been to a couple, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13, often known as the love chapter of Scripture. Because, you know, Paul talks about how love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't envy, love doesn't boast. I love the line, love keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? Love keeps no record of wrongs. And, you know, he goes on with what love is. And, and, and here's how he finishes the chapter by saying this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the big three. Faith, hope, and love. And then he goes this, uh, but the greatest of these is love. Greatest of these is love. 
And so while this idea of never being without the love garment on is still ringing in our ears from, from what we shared last week, um, let's look at what he goes on to say in, uh, as he goes on in that chapter uh, 3 of Colossians. He says this, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Oh, and cultivate thanksgiving. I'm sorry, thankfulness. Cultivate thankfulness. It's interesting, isn't it, that this passage immediately follows the, uh, uh, the always wear love passage. It comes right on its heels. And, and I think when you look at it, what that does is it reminds us that love doesn't occur in isolation. We're, we're not called to be islands. We are not called to be isolated from those around us. If we're going to love, unless we're going to be just self-loving, we've got to be in touch with other people. Amen? Amen. And, and so it says, and we are to let the peace of Christ, this peace that in Scripture we're reminded transcends all understand, this peace that sometimes you think, how can that guy be at peace? He's in the worst circumstances Wow, that just doesn't make sense. That's why it transcends all understanding. It's a, it's a piece that goes on what our brain is able to understand. So let the peace of Christ, this peace that transcends all understanding, the peace that allows us to be calm, even in the most uncalming circumstances, we are to let this peace keep us in tune with each other, in step with each other. As I was sharing this first service, it, uh, I was thinking about, you know, Turner is in the marching band. Um, uh, Carrie and I had been in the marching band. We were all in the percussion section. Yeah? And have you ever watched a band when some of them are out of step? Maybe it's just me, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's because it's so obvious, right? I mean, everyone, you got this, one, and just, it's just, it's glaring, being out of stuff. And that's what being talking here, being not in tune with each other. Yeah? Like something's not in tune. It's not, it's not like it should be. And then out of step. You know, we're, we're not to go off and do our own thing. We're not lone rangers. See, God designed us for community. He designed us to be there for one another, to care for one another, to, to hold one another accountable. And that's something sometimes we don't like, do we? Because a hold accountable means somebody tells me, I'm out of step, <laughs> or I need to get in step, or something isn't right, uh, to love one another. And, you know, to love one another doesn't always mean we just smile and say how wonderful you are. Sometimes loving someone means having the tough conversation with them, doesn't it? Sometimes that's what true love is. And the thing is, we can't really love another person if we're not there with the other person. How can we love someone if we don't know them? If we're not tuned into them, if we're not in relationship with them? It's impossible, isn't it? As we said in that video intro this morning, we live in a rather strange paradox as Christians. It never ceases to amaze me because... Our salvation is an individual thing. I can't 
brings salvation to you. I mean, I can help, uh, you know, talk to you about it, try to encourage you to open up, but I can't pray your salvation for you, can I? Nor vice versa. You can't uh, make me be saved. And so we're individually responsible for our salvation, individually responsible for saying yes to the uh, relationship that Jesus offers. And yet, in the culture that Christianity came out of, in the culture that Paul was a part of, in the culture that Christ was a part of, um, in the culture that the one who wrote this letter to the church at Colossae is, was part of, it's all about community. It's not about the individuals at all. Uh, we, we read in Scripture, you know how we read about peace, that uh, shalom, right? That's the Hebrew, shalom. And, and we read about justice and mercy and, and righteousness. And, and these concepts, we've shared this before, they aren't concepts about you as an individual, your individual righteousness, your individual uh, justice and mercy and, and shalom, but it's concepts in relationship to the community at large. Because if just if you're at peace, but there isn't peace over here, then it's not about you. It's about the community. It's about all. Uh, if there's injustice over here, even if there isn't in your corner, then we have to be concerned because it's about the community as a whole. Yeah. The, the question isn't whether I'm personally having these things, but whether I'm able to participate in the community in which these things are happening. The whole is greater than the individual parts in this case. And so this is again emphasized here when Paul says that there shouldn't be any of us going off and doing our own thing. Even though our salvation is individual, we are in this thing together. Your welfare is my concern, my welfare is your concern, or it should be if it isn't. You know, it's, a, it's the, the whole concept that Jesus was getting across when, when he said, the greatest commandment, I understood, what was the greatest commandment? He said, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he quickly followed it by saying, but the, you know, a very, very close second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. To love that person and who's my neighbor? And he gives the story of the Samaritan. It's anybody other than you, isn't it? Wow. Um, and, and you can't love your neighbor if you're living in the South Carolina. And my neighborhood, we, we, I have to admit, we've done a horrible job. I, a couple, we'd lived in the neighborhood five years, and we became block captains just to meet some people on our street. There was a guy across three, four houses down I'd never even seen before in five years. Because I guess we were coming and... That's not, that's not good, is it? How can I love my neighbor when I've never even met him? Yeah. You know, you, uh, you can't do it if you're living a solitary life, if you're being a hermit, if you're not opening up, if you're not engaged in the lives of the people around you. Loving, loving someone means being involved in life with them. Well, here's what Paul says next. He says, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Yeah. 
let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Isn't that cool? In other words, let it permeate everything. Let it rule. Yeah. I also like the way this, this, this passage is translated in the New International Version of Scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Again, this community thing comes out. We are to allow Christ's Word to dwell in us as we teach and admonish. In other words, we don't teach and admonish separate, but we allow that Word to come through us. We've been talking about Christ being alive in us, right? He's alive in us as we teach and admonish those around us. Now, there's a good churchy word for you, admonish. And I looked it up, and it said to rebuke. Well, <laughs> that didn't help, because that's another churchy word. So, so I, uh, I went a little further, and here, admonish means to reprimand someone mildly but earnestly. In other words, gently but seriously. To give friendly, earnest advice or encouragement. So if we're going to admonish, we're going to encourage, but if somebody's not doing quite the right thing, we're there to try to encourage them to do the right thing. But, you know... Jesus will live in us to teach others while holding them accountable. But the thing is, how can we teach and hold them accountable if we're not in relationship with them? Who's going to be, allow you to hold them uh, accountable if you don't have a relationship? That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No, that's goofy. Yeah, we need to be in community with each other if we're going to do what we're told here, if we're going to be able to teach, if we're going to be able to share, if we're going to be able to admonish or hold one another accountable. Here at Connection, we think the best place to be in community is through small groups. We call them the Connection Groups (laughs) because we're connected and because that's the name of the place. Connection Groups, Connection Small Groups, groups of you know, six to 12 individuals, maybe three to six couples. Um, you get much less than that. It's basically just a conversation rather than a small group. And if you get much more than that, it's not a small group, but it's a small congregation. So, you know, in those kind of parameters, you know, look at Christ. He had a small group of 12, right? That's a kind of a good model. Um, and, 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 and small group meets on a regular basis, and some of you are well aware of this because you're participating in it, uh, for fellowship, for, for um, a Bible study, for accountability, for prayer with one another. See, we think that worship on Sunday mornings is important. It's crucial. I love Sunday morning worship. We spend a lot of time preparing for it, and, and I hope you find it important too. Otherwise, I guess you wouldn't be here. But there are things that you're not going to get from Sunday morning worship. Because the only thing you do is Sunday morning worship, you're going to come up short. Because it can't do it all. Chances are you're not going to get in close personal relationship with people as a result of Sunday morning worship. Unless you go afterwards and have coffee with them for a half an hour or an hour. Because it's not going to happen in the time we have here. I, people sometimes say, oh, you really, I really wish we would go deeper. I'm not sure how deep we can go in 20, 25 minutes during a message where there's no winter, where it's kind of a, where the chairs are all in a line that way, facing this way, you see? We want to go deeper. What we need to do is move those chairs into a circle. And we're not going to circle up on Sunday morning. That's what the small group is, you see? There's a difference. 
This has its purpose, and that has that purpose, and when we can do both, wow, incredible things happen. That's why those connection small groups are so important, because it's in these groups that you'll be able to know other people well, and then with those other people you know well, you'll be able to go deeper, deeper in your relationship with them, and as a result, deeper in your relationship with the Holy One as you share Scripture together. You'll be sharing life together with people in this connection group. And so these are the people then you're going to be connecting with personally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, relationally, as you grow in your understanding of yourself, in your understanding of God, and of your understanding of those other people that you're sharing life with. You know, these are people who are going to teach you and admonish you, (laughs) because these are the people who will know you the best. And it's tough to teach and admonish if there's not a relationship there. Our hope, our dream, our goal, and you're going to think, Alan, you're, you're crazy. Well, yeah, we know that. Um, our dream, dream, our goal is for 100% participation in a small group, each and every person here to be a part of the school. You can't expect 100%. Sure we can. With God, all things are possible. <laughs> We can expect 100%. Everyone to be involved in a small connection group. And it's for that reason that we started something called Group Link about a year ago. Uh, Lori Brown, our pastor of spiritual formation, oversees that. And it's an opportunity to get together twice a year and to talk to people in a small group and find out what small group you might connect with. And it's been a very successful helping people connect up with small groups. Uh, um, and we will have one, but it's a, mm, gosh, it's a while away. So be prepared when it comes. But what we found, though, is that not everyone's ready for group link when it comes along. For example, we have a lot of people here connection in Alpha, and that's kind of a little intro to small groups. I think Alpha is wonderful. It's a wonderful opportunity for especially new people to the faith to kind of get acclimated. And there is kind of a small group component there where you meet with other people and you can talk about Scripture, ask questions, and go a little deeper with one another. And, and what happens is we participate 11 weeks in Alpha, Everybody's, you know, getting, and then, and then at the, uh, uh, they have a great experience, and the end, some get involved in a small group, and yet many don't. They're not quite ready to make that commitment, because let's say a, a small group is a commitment, isn't it? Because here, when, when you actually say, I'm going to be part of a small group, you commit to like an eight-week intro period, and then after that, if you say, yes, you're committing to maybe, what, 18 months to two years, that's, dang, that's a pretty big commitment. And, and then we're not always ready for that right after the, the alpha experience. And, and so we find a lot of people hesitating to get in a small group, and then they're just kind of left, and we don't want to leave you just hanging. So that's why we've developed something new. It's for those not quite ready to make a total commitment to small group or those who haven't been able to find that small group that fits yet. Its opportunity is called Segway. Now somebody said, you guys got a Segway here? Well, my plan was to have a Segway so Laurie could fly up on that thing up to the front. But I didn't, wasn't able to get one, but I'm still working on that. But, but a Segway, Segway is something that gets you from point A to point B, isn't it? A Segway, kind of like a bridge or a tunnel, a Segway. Um, and, and our Segway here is designed uh, to, to uh, be the Segway from where you are at the moment to helping you become uh, a member of a small group, a connection group. Segway. It's designed to give you a small group experience without you having to commit to a long-term small group thing. It's an opportunity to meet with others in a small group setting here at the church for, say, four weeks. 
a fellowship, Bible study, and prayer, opportunity to relationally go a little deeper. Maybe if you came out of the Alpha, you know, to continue meeting with some other people in a small group and yet not making a big monster long-term commitment. We have two segue opportunities coming up. You don't have to write this down because you're going to get one of these when you leave this morning. Two opportunities this summer, the last four weeks of June and then the four weeks of July. You can do one. You can do both. We'd love to have you involved in both. And what, what we like is if you are not in a small group, if you're not in a small group, we would love to have you sign up at Segway. If you go up the ramp, take a sharp left. Laurie will be at the table. She'd love to answer any of your questions or whatever about Segway, about this opportunity for a small group experience for just four weeks or two four-week experience if you'd like to do both this summer. Anyway, back to Scripture. In the message version of the Bible, Paul tells us to instruct one another using good common sense. In the New International Version, Paul says to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. No matter which translation you follow, the point is to do life with some other people other than yourself, other than your immediate family, other than your spouse, say. It's to broaden your scope a little bit there. Connect with some other people so they can help you and so that you can help them in your spiritual walks. You'll find you'll be doing life together with the people you are in small group with. Small groupers here, can I get an amen to that? Yeah, doing life together there. Yeah. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, about the, how the small group just really is cool. You know, some of us carry me, Laurie, some others, uh, uh, we're, we do visitation, especially if there's an emergency, we get a call, oh, somebody had an emergency, they're at the hospital, and we get in the car and go up there, right? One of the coolest things for me and I know for Carrie and for Lori, is when we get there and that person is already surrounded by members of their small group. You know, they're already giving what we call pastoral care. Now, they never went to seminary. They never went to... They didn't need to because they're able to give pastoral care. Why? Because they care about that person because they're doing life together because they're in relationship with that person. That's why they're there and that's why it connects. In fact, that part, those small group are closer to that person than we are. Then they're going to be, I shouldn't say this, but they're going to be better than we are at connecting because they have that deeper relationship. Does that make sense? Of course it does. And if you've ever been in that situation where your small group comes and surrounds you, man, there's nothing better, is there? It's incredible. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. Because doing life with other people who care about you, who care about Jesus, who are going to be there for you and who you're going to be there for, that's what it's all about. You know, people who can celebrate with you and people who can tell you when you're messing up and uh, people who say, man, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself, Alan. You, you ain't doing it right here. You need to look in the mirror, buddy. You know, people, people you can trust, people who will be there to pray for you both in your good times and your bad times, people who will celebrate you with you when you're on the top of the world, and people who get down on their knees with you and continue to pray when that world starts to crumble. People who will laugh with you, people who will cry with you, people who will tell you when you got that little piece of spinach between the third and fourth tooth, you know. 
You know, not everybody can do that. But somebody who you're in a relationship with who loves you, and that's when they know, you know they love you because they're not going to let you go out in public and look bad, you know? I'm in a small group with seven other guys, and it's a, it's a really interesting kind of an eclectic group, different, different backgrounds and different styles and stuff, and it is great. You know, we, we start with some fellowship time, usually revolves around whatever the current sport is, this, now it's baseball. Um, then we go to sharing about, um, about uh, how is it going with our souls. Talk about um, what our closest moment with Christ was that weekend. I got to admit, we're, we're not a very disciplined bunch. Because the time spent, I mean, man, we, we can take a lot of, our souls are just dripping, man, because uh, we take a lot of time talking about our souls and about, you know, where we're at and stuff like that. And, and, and then we look at Scripture. We're in the middle of an Abraham study now, and, it, and it's good because it's an opportunity. When We have this list of questions. It's an official study, but questions come up in the group like saying, wow, I never thought of that. Well, that's why you're in study with other people, Right? To, to be able to get insights that you wouldn't be able to get just from yourself. Plus, it gets boring to ask yourself questions and then an answer. You start to go crazy. You know, you really get it's goofy when you do that too much. But we're able to question each other and, and, and then pray with each other. And actually, what we do now is we pair up each week with different, different pairing each week just to pray for each other and to maybe give a phone call just to touch base, see how we're doing. Um, we're able to share those challenges that you're not going to share with just anybody. You know, those things that you've got to be able to trust who you're going to be sharing them with. And, and the thing about this group, you know, I know God is in the middle of this group. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm in a small group with a Yankees fan <laughs> and a Mets fan. <laughs> and I look forward to it. So you know that this got to be a divine, a divinely inspired small group because we're able to get along and enjoy and even share the joys of our different teams most days. <laughs> anyway, when you're part of a group of people like this, it's pretty obvious that Jesus is alive in your community because you see him in the lives of the others in the group and, and hopefully they say him, alive in you. You know, what, what happens is you become the hands and feet, the eyes and the ears, and even the voice of Christ for one another. As you instruct and direct, as you teach, and even as you admonish each other in your small group. I would encourage you, don't let yourselves be lone rangers. That, that's not what God wants for us. That's not how he's wired us. You know, as that, as that piece of Scripture again says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your old, own thing. Yeah. You know, if you find yourself, you think about this after, to, you know, as you go forth today, and you think about this thing, you think, well, I'm kind of a lone ranger. I really don't have anybody I'm close to that I can share spiritual or even life things with other than maybe my spouse. I don't have any real Christian friends to turn to. I would encourage you maybe to pray. Ask God 
to help you maybe find some friends, some Christian friends that you could be in small group with, that you could, that you could share your life with. And I would encourage you also, if you're not in a small group, to talk to Lori about Segway. Just give it a try. What's the worst could happen? I mean, it's four Wednesdays. Come on. How bad could that be? Jeez. Give it four weeks and allow the Holy Spirit possibly to connect you with some other believers. Now, if you're already in a small group, you know, with some Yankee and Mets fans like I am, and, and, and you're still able to, you know, you're enjoying, then I would say I would raise a, a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to have these people in my life, these brothers or sisters, or if you're in a mixed group, a couples group, both, where um, you're doing life with those believers who you're going deeper with, both personally and spiritually, where you're getting in relationship with each other, and even more important, where you're getting more deeply involved in the relationship you have with the Holy One. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow, what a great day. Great day to talk about uh, not being Lone Rangers. Great day to be talking about being in tune with you and with each other. I just celebrate thank you for allowing us not to be Lone Rangers, calling us to be in relationship, wiring us to be in community with each other. I would uh, ask you to help each and every one here to find that small group of believers that they can be a part of, that they can participate in, that they can share life with. It's in Christ and in your Holy Spirit we pray and all God's children said, Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.